Hey Canada, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, the pageantry of social media. The inner game of golf. And something else Trump ruined. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. So yeah, on this episode, Andrew did call Donald Trump a piece of shit. Um, but before we deal with that, I just want to deal with the fact that Andrew, what is this? In your hand? It looks like a peanut butter cookie jar. No, it's not. It's oatmeal. <laughs> oatmeal. So Uh-oh. obviously Judy hasn't listened to the episode we released three hours ago. <laughs> Apparently not. In, in which I praised her for peanut butter cookies. Because now she has filled the jar with freaking oatmeal. John, you're going to ruin her. She, uh, Your expectation is that within three hours of yes. airing the podcast, she has baked fresh <laughs> peanut butter cookies. She's listened and then baked fresh peanut butter cookies, left them in the cookie jar for you. Do you, you don't realize how busy of a woman my mother is, apparently. Although, you know what? She did have time to bake fresh cookies. And I will say, Judy, these are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> these, like, like, we've already established that we're not baked good guys on the podcast. John, we can't, for the second introduction in a row, just talk about your love of my mom's cookies. Why not? <laughs> I, okay, you have to try this. I'm not trying. You're your, not, you're not your trying final, your mom's cookies. <laughs> your <laughs> final crumb. That's been all over your beard, man. I'm not going to eat the rest of that. <laughs> all right. Well, it is really good. Well, let's deal with the fact that you, you did call Donald Trump a piece of shit. I think a total piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total piece of shit. So, obviously, he's not listening anymore. Nor, no, we Nor lost, any of his fans. We lost a lot of red state listeners with that comment. So, what drove you to use such violent terms? Are you actually asking me that question? Yeah. It, everything he says. Everything that comes out of his stupid orange mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You, you might think that I'm a Trump supporter and I'm just... No, but, I don't. but really, I'm just trying to goad Andrew into making him feel uncomfortable. I know that you're which not... Which I a, think is being a, a little a, bit effective. a Trump supporter. We don't like to talk about politics no. uh, on, on the podcast. But when we do, <laughs> when we, we do, go for the juggler. Yeah. I just... I think he's a vile human and he's, yeah. um, he's hurting people. But he's going to get elected again next year. It's very likely, somehow. Yeah. So what's that say about the people electing him? They're... <laughs> I don't know. Right. Misguided. Yeah. There's, it's, yeah, the saddest thing is that there's a large per- percentage of the population that is okay with um, the racist, misogynist things that he posts and says. Yeah. And uh, the other people that support him have done. Well, and, you know, I know some of the other people that have supported him, and they're wonderful people. I completely and, and, agree. And so, like, and, and when I ask about that, I say, well, what about the whole Trump is a piece of shit? You know, they're <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he can run at the mouth and, Definitely, you know, what he says on Twitter is, is terrible. But look at what he's done for the economy, Andrew. And the economy's never been better. Didn't you read his Twitter this morning? He said that. <laughs> I didn't read that. But, um, but yeah. I, I think parts of the, yeah, parts of the economy are doing well. The stock market's in a good place. And um, is that because of Trump or is that just? Yeah, it's, there's, I'm sure, a lot of factors. I'm not an economist. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what economists do, to be totally honest. Here's the thing about Trump. Like, he, he is just such a total disgrace and um, disaster that, that I tend to think if he just had one human moment, like if he just did a press conference or came out and just said, you know what, guys, I realize that I've, you know, the way I act on Twitter is not becoming of president of the United States and I'm going to try and clean up my act. If he, if he just said that, I mean, he would get reelected immediately. What I mean, do you think probably, the odds of that happening are? But, but he, he can't ever bring himself to no. just have one human humble moment. 
and and it's just it's what what's going on there like is it is it strategy a lot of people think that he deliberately says those things he knows what he's saying like he's not just an ignoramus he, he could be but he's not just an ignoramus it's all strategy it's yeah. all political strategies because he knows he know he's he knows who he's talking to yeah yeah he, he's hitting the base and um and he's taking attention away from other issues yeah, and directing exactly. it towards the stupid stuff that he says and it's effective and it, it captures people's attention and uh takes it away from the fact that like sure the economy's going strong but environmentally um pollution's extreme there's a lot of damage being done to the planet and we're just continuing to hurdle down that course to uh serious climate change and and long-term devastation well this is getting bleak andrew <laughs> here listen the intros are supposed to be light and fluffy like your mom's cookies <laughs> and and now that it's getting really dark uh, before we move on from trump because we do want to move on from trump did you did you catch what he said this week about being one of the 9-11 responders no he, he actually said in his speech that he was kind of one of the he used the word kind of kind of one of the 9-11 responders because he was there that day and he did respond and, <laughs> and, no this is trump yeah. logic hashtag trump logic and uh and the hilarious part about it is believe it, the internet has now taken and, and created memes which are just gold yeah they're now taking trump's picture and putting him as a responder at the titanic at all these pivotal moments in history and there's trump uh, at the at the wheel um it's it's hilarious and and he deserves it every every minute of shame yeah that, that he gets from this but it it honestly i've i try to tune myself out to a lot of that stuff because yeah, i think not a bad idea i think it, yeah it doesn't really solve anything and also it it kind of just tosses more fuel in the fire. People who aren't supporters of him but are making money from his presidency, mm -hmm. uh, that's just part another cog in the machine that yeah. is uh, helping it move along. Well, and this is somewhat relatable, actually, because we did talk a lot about social media in this episode. Um, we have Sarah, who, who, is, who is running for Miss Universe. So they really go top drawer with that name, eh? Miss Universe? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, first of all, are we aware that there's other sentient beings in the universe? Well, they're like, like are the are the are the aliens or higher intelligent the, beings? They even, they do they know about this competition? <laughs> yeah, they don't even have an option to run. No, they don't have a chance. It doesn't seem fair. So it's not fair at all. So could there be a better name than Miss Universe? It seems like like the competitions have been in the past a little um, overdone. What about Miss Solar System? Because we're pretty sure there's there's not a lot of sentient life on. In our solar system, except maybe on one of Saturn's moons. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to do. Actually, was let's 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 try and come up with better names, and and hopefully listeners, um, please please send in a better name than Miss Universe. And also, we know that there's really no other life in the universe. Well, we don't know. Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks there might be, but we we don't know for sure. But they're they're not competing anyway. So let's be real. And and Andrew suggests we call it Miss Solar System, which I like the alliteration. One idea I had was Miss Milky Way. Miss Milky Way. Yeah. Because hmm. that, that, that connects with your solar system, but it's a little more specific and a little more us. It, and good sponsorship opportunity there. <laughs> yeah. From the chocolate bars. Yeah. Um, but as well, so like Milky Way, that's a galaxy, man. There's a lot of stars in the Milky Way. Yeah. So that doesn't work either. So we got to keep dumbing it down. So Miss Solar System's not going to work. Miss Milky Way sounds good, but not going to work. So where do we go from there? Miss Planet Earth. 
I think David Attenborough is going to come after us if we, <laughs> <laughs> if we try and use that. You know, we say we don't we don't talk about these intros beforehand, and now you're realizing that because <laughs> maybe we should. Those are our two best options. Yeah, but maybe that's why they went with Miss Universe because uh, you know all those other names sound silly, mm-hmm. and Miss Earth. I mean, that's that's kind of underwhelming. Right? Yeah, Miss Earth. Miss Earth. It has no ring to it. No. Are you allowed to be married? In the competition? That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe we should ask the contestant. Because then Mrs.? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mrs. Universe. Yeah, because... Hmm. Yeah. Or or maybe... Yeah, maybe they, they don't... They don't consider your marital status how you, at the time of competition. How do you think the competition first came to be? Because yeah, I have no idea. We could guess, though. My instinct was... Is that it wasn't? It, it was just trotting out a bunch of eligible young women, right? Kind of like the Bachelorette or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you said on the podcast, man, and I didn't disagree because I had no idea. But you said this started back in ancient Greece. Well, there was competitions. <laughs> yeah, there was competitions for young boys who were the most the most appealing young boys in uh, in each town. They, yeah, they, they were would... trotting those out for the Roman emperors. Well, the Greek. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, Greece, man. Uh, yeah, Greece. Well, yeah. it could be Roman emperors too, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we we celebrate beauty for sure as, yeah. a, as a culture. That is just a reality. But um, I I, th- I found Sarah Sarah's perspective really refreshing and important. Would you say this interview won you over? Uh yes. Yeah. Well, I I have I had previously bought into a lot of the. Yeah, skepticism and oh, for sure. questions about the purpose of pageantry. Oh, for sure. I mean, even the word pageantry absolutely has, has a ring to it. The toddlers a, and tiaras, the yeah. little Miss Sunshine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're, we're aware of, and it's just putting a lot of energy into uh, celebrating outward appearance without a, a lot of substance behind it. For sure, and and affecting people's uh, mindset negatively, and and ruining people's confidence, and and causing eating disorders, and a lot of yeah self-hatred or self-esteem yeah yeah and sarah talks about you're going to hear this soon but she talks about how she had poor self-esteem and she became a contestant in pageants as a, one way of helping restore her self-esteem yeah um, not by being better than everyone else but by being okay with being judged whereas modeling was actually really damaging to her self-esteem because everyone was telling her how she had to get skinnier 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 in pageantry it was a a much more accepting place yeah and honestly this is what caused us to this is what inspired us to to bring sarah to the podcast is um i was intrigued with 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 her story online and you can you can check that on the show notes folks for a little more information but but i too had that same idea in my mind of it just being shallow and and just hustling for worthiness as uh, pima children talks about and um you know it's look at me fest i mean it's basically Mm -hmm. just like social media you know, just look at me, look at me, look at me. Say you like me. Say I'm pretty enough. And it, and it was hugely damaging. But but one thing that comes out in Sarah's bio is she's very open about the fact that she's had many struggles. In fact, she even has a rare skin condition, which um, obviously is a huge obstacle for somebody who's who's trotting out their skin um, to, to be to be um, in in a contest. Mm-hmm. And and she she talks about leaving leaving it all, walking away, becoming disillusioned, and she has just now come back. And, and the reasons why she came back, were, you know, we won't spoil it for you, but it's it's super inspiring mm-hmm. that, that her mindset now, and she's only 24. I mean, I think she turns 25 soon, but 
She's only 24 years old, and the amount of maturity she shows and self-reflection um, blew me away, honestly. Yeah. And she's done yeah. the hard work. She's She's gone through the uh, a period of, of very low self-esteem and, and has restored it and is now in a place where she's accepting of herself and, and is um, whether she wins or lose and we think she's going to win we got yeah, well, we gave it a little obstacle course push yeah so so far we haven't had a contestant uh a miss universe contestant that's been on the podcast not win no i know we're 100 percent. so that's good yeah. yeah exactly so i'm sure she'll keep that streak going yeah come on there and uh and then she'll get us lots more attention yeah which which is good because we don't need it for our own self-esteem. No. But we need the message of our guest podcast to get out to more to more ears. Totally. That's what Andrew meant by that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's not hustling for worthiness here. No, we believe we've had 23 stories up until this point. Well, when, by the time you hear this, maybe 25. And every guest story is so inspiring. And and we learn something from them in every episode. And and this, this, was, this was another brilliant example of somebody who, who overcame some real notable obstacles and and found her true self even at 24 and i mean i'm in my 40s and and i'm still on that path and and yeah. we we all are and, mm-hmm. and and it all continues but to see where sarah's at at 24 is is pretty amazing and this is another great exercise in uh judgment oh absolutely because it's a topic we cover quite a bit with uh with sarah and when we you know both of us probably had judgments about beauty queens in general before we came on and and this was an, another great way of of checking those judgments and and figuring out what's what's really going on and what where the truth lies which is very much different than the judgments that we often create before we actually hear someone's story well and you know what i judged your the oatmeal cookie this morning yeah you, and, ju- you and judged it i judged like- the hell out of it and i was like it's not peanut butter what, what the fuck <laughs> And, and it was amazing. Yeah. And so there you go. It was good on the outside and on the inside. And full of fiber. It was. Yeah. Which which reminds me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife today. Okay. Because today is her birthday. Yeah. And, and I realize how it looks that I'm away recording with Miss Universe on my wife's birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Andrew was a fan of it. And I'm so glad the interview went the way it went. The went, it went, went the way to edit that out. <laughs> I'm so glad the interview went the way it did. It was, time, it was time well spent. And now I can get back to celebrating my wife's birthday. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed that last part. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, everybody. Well, Sarah Winter, welcome to Optical Course. We're we're thrilled to have you on, especially uh, with at the time of recording, we're just a couple of weeks from Miss Universe Canada, yes, which you will be participating. So, tell us what what is the lead up like going into a competition like that? Um, I think mostly it's just like preparing yourself mentally. It's such a good competition, and there's so many girls. Really, anybody could win. So I just wanted to pre- prepare myself to be the best version of myself. And that was kind of my mindset going into it. I felt like I was in a place where I was really comfortable with who I was and I wasn't trying to change. So my mindset is just prepare myself 100%. So whatever happens, if I don't win or if I do win, I know that I put 100% of my effort into it. Yeah. And how many other girls are you competing against? There is 60 other girls. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. So what is it? like 
when you walk onto that stage or a similar stage like what what is going on externally and and what is the mental self-talk like what's going on inside your head and and you can maybe speak to i know you've you've competed in the past six or seven years ago something mm-hmm, like that five years ago and and now you're you're back and so maybe is there any difference between the self-talk now and, and what it was like then A hundred percent. I am not even close to the girl I was when I competed in 2014. Back then when I was walking on stage, before I walked on, I was crying backstage. I was telling myself that I wasn't good enough. You're the biggest girl here. I was literally grabbing my stomach. I wasn't eating that whole week. I disliked myself to the highest point where there was no chance I could win because my mindset was so negative And I did not accept myself for who I was. I constantly was feeling like I wasn't enough comparing myself to all the other girls. Literally everything that you tell yourself not to do, I was doing. So it's been five years since I competed again. And I'm not even close to that girl. I'm just completely confident. I'm accepted who I am. And I feel like I truly am the best version of myself. And that's why I wanted to compete again. Because my mindset is so much more positive. I'm so much more genuine and I'm being myself. So this time competing, I'm way more excited because I'm in such a better place. I think I think this is a good time to maybe go back to where it all began, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that your the journey towards um, Miss Universe began when you're was it about 15 years old when you yes. when you got signed to your first modeling contract. So perhaps we can go back in time a little bit and then kind of work up back up to the moment. Uh, um, so. Um, you know, you, you talk pretty openly about growing up in a pretty challenging household with your mm-hmm. mother. Yeah. And so those were the first 10 years of your life. So perhaps you can share with our listeners um, what the challenge was was you had with your mom. Yeah. And, and what, what that effect was on you um, in those early years of your life. Yeah. So I had a great childhood. Um, but when I was about 10, my mom started to struggle with substance abuse. So it didn't affect me right away because I wasn't 100% of what was going on. And I'm so fortunate to have the dad that I have. He just stepped in and took the role of a mother. And I don't know where I would be without him. But it was really hard because you're growing into those kind of awkward teenage years where you rely on a mother figure. And I didn't have one. So like when you have your first boyfriend or when you're going through puberty, those stages is when you really look up to a mom. So it was hard. Um, But as I grew up, I kind of understood that my dad was just trying to protect us. We tried everything to help my mom, but you can only help someone so much. And if they don't want to change, there's no more that you can do. So I've just accepted it. She's not in my life anymore. Um, But yeah, it was definitely really hard, but I think it made me stronger. And the relationship I have with my dad now is the best relationship in my life. And I'm so fortunate to have that. Yeah, yeah, that that is powerful. Um, For your mom, do you know what, what took her down that road? We don't know at all. No, I I don't know why she felt the need to do that. Um, I do know that she has bipolarism as well. So it could be depression. But at the end of the day, we did everything that we could. So you no longer can hold that against yourself. You just have to move on. Do you recall um, anything that you, any, any specific memories from, from that point of your life with your mom in terms of in the household? Like, was it... Was it something that you were kind of separate from or did, or did you see any of the 
struggles firsthand? Yeah, definitely. Like looking back, you see situations different than you did because when you're younger, you're you're naive and you don't see things the way they are. But there were times like when my dad would let us go there for Christmas morning because he still wanted her to be in our lives. We'd wake up and she wasn't home. So we're like, uh, Santa forgot about us. <laughs> um, just like little things like that. And now we understand that it was the drugs that were taking over at that point. And it's sad because she was such a good mom when she was our mom. Mm. She was the best. She was so involved. She did everything for us. So you just have to look at it like that's not her. It's, it's the drugs. Like when people get addicted to something, it's it's a mental illness. It's not them. Um but at the end of the day, they have to choose to get the help. You can only do so much. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what what hole or what void do you think that that um, left in you at that age? Um, I honestly, I feel just so much stronger from it. Like I don't see it in a negative way anymore. Mm. I've accepted it completely. And I, I feel like because my dad is who he is and he stepped in so much and took the role of a mother I don't have a void I look at it sometimes like what am I going to do on my wedding day when I don't have a mother there but I don't see it as a negative anymore I think it made me who I am and I'm so much stronger because of it Mm -hmm. that's great so soon after that a few years later you got an opportunity to start modeling was that how did that come about were you just walking down the street someday and and an agent (laughs) approached you or you got discovered or, or how did that look uh, I used to love the show America's Next Top Model. And I always wanted to pursue modeling or acting or something in that area. But my dad would never let me. He said I was too young. And one day I applied without him knowing to an oh, agency okay. I see. <laughs> in Victoria. And I asked him if we could go shopping in Victoria. And I actually took him to the modeling agency. And I let him meet the agent. And I got signed on the spot. Wow. Yeah. And you're about, was it, were you 14 at them? Yeah. Wow. So that's still pretty young. Oh, uh, is that grade eight? Yes. Wow. Cool. And your dad was okay with it? <laughs> I think he saw how important it was to me because I went through all that effort hmm. to do so. And when he met the agent and they talked, um, it seemed a lot safer than he thought in his head. So. so yeah, a few minutes ago, you described your motives leading into this current competition mm-hmm. is vastly different than then. So, so maybe take us through the mindset that led you to wanting to become... Like you watched America's Top Model and you're like, oh, I want to become a model or an actress. What was the mindset going in at the time? When I went to the agency? Yeah. Um, I didn't really have one. I was just young and I, I wanted to model. Like looking back, my intentions were never to help back then because I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. It didn't really happen until I joined my first pageant in 2011 that I understood the platform we could have from them. Back then for modeling, I just was always told that I would be really good at it. So I thought it was something that I should try. Did you feel at that time that you were beautiful? No. No, which, which is a very interesting thing to, to talk about because I think it'd be easy for people to think, oh, you know, wow, you know, she's, she's, she's beautiful, so she should become a model and she's probably confident to pursue that role. But meanwhile, you're not. But yet you still did at the same time. So yeah. that's an interesting... So what what caused you to do it even though you didn't feel confident in your looks? I think to prove myself that I could. I'm Mm. very competitive. That's why I play Ah, golf. Um, So if someone tells me that I can't do something, it makes me want to do it even more. So like having that agent tell me like, oh, you're perfect. Your face is perfect, but you need to lose weight. Like 
you won't get signed with your hips being 37 inches. I was like, hmm, I want to do it anyways. Like I want to prove to myself that I can. But that didn't really work to my advantage because back then the modeling was still so strict on weight and it made my self-esteem and confidence issues just skyrocket through the roof. Especially when you're 14, 15, that's when you're growing into a woman. So to have someone constantly tell you that you're not good enough is not healthy. Yeah, and when they're telling you that you need to lose weight, um, do, you, do you mind sharing like how much you did weigh at that time? I think like 120 pounds maybe, right. like very skinny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're tall as well, yeah. right? 5'10". Yeah. yeah. And what, what were they hoping you would, you would get your weight down to? It wasn't so much weight, it was inches. Like I remember mm. just before we'd have to go get measurements, I'd be like sucking in and like in the bathroom, like punching my stomach, like uh-huh. trying to get the inches down. Mm. Cause it's not about weight. They just, they want specific inches, especially I always struggled on my hips. So I'd be like clenching them, like walking in, like mm. just hoping mm. that my inches would be good. And they never were. Mm. So I have a couple questions about that. Um, one is how do you think that affected your, your mindset as a, growing into a woman like as an adolescent and and what long-term effects did that have um and also why would you want to participate in an industry that was so damaging to that that uh, mental well-being yeah i think i loved it like when i was in front of the camera i felt like it was something that i was really good at and a lot of people don't understand because they're like well you just have to stand in front of the camera and look pretty but I loved it. Like when I was getting, when I was in photo shoots, it was just something that I was really passionate about and I felt really comfortable. And I was just always hoping that one day I would be good enough. Like one day somebody, an agency would find me and they'd be like, she's fine the way she is. I think I was just always hoping for that. Hmm. Um, but it never happened. No. But it's okay because it led me to where I'm supposed to be. So I think everything, as cliche as it sounds, everything truly happens for a reason i went through all those things so now i can help young girls go through that as well if they're having the self-esteem issues i can relate and that's one of the things that i feel is so important is being relatable no absolutely and i mean you coming on the podcast and talking so openly about about these issues is is a huge step forward Mm -hmm. in that i think um, so so well done. We, we appreciate you coming on. We know it's not easy to answer these rapid fire questions, <laughs> which we did not give you beforehand. So, so you're really just uh, kind of on the line, yeah, you know, but in, in the line great. of fire. But you're doing yeah, phenomenal. Um, you, you described a little bit about your time in Korea. Um, that's when you had been signed and you had gone over there and, be, and began that road. Was a fairly dark time. Mm-hmm. So perhaps you can just describe a little bit about that. I remember you, you describing um, your living conditions mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. So I got signed. It was like two weeks before I left. I found out that I was signed that summer to go to Korea for a modeling contract. And I'm really lucky that my dad decided to take me because that's who he is. He's just super supportive and he wanted to make sure it was safe because I was only 15 at the time. Uh, When I got there, it just kept going downhill and getting worse. I met with my agent. They right away told me that I would never book a job if I was the size I was. Told me my face was perfect, but my body was horrible. I was too tanned. My posing was bad. They gave me a bottle of diet pills and told me to take these. They took my passport and told me I couldn't go home until I made the money. And I wasn't going to make the money, so I had to do something about the way I looked. So that's like literally the first day I got there. 
so I was crying to my dad and I told him and he's like it's fine it's fine like we'll just stay a couple weeks see what happens like it'll be fine and then I get to the apartment and it's literally like eight models um I think three or four of them are male models which is fine but I was 15 at the time and these guys were I think like high 20 in their high 20s so it was very uncomfortable for me it was just you think that modeling is so glamorous but overseas it's just the complete opposite you're stuffed in these little apartments it was a two-bedroom one-bedroom apartment for like six or eight people one bathroom and you're going to like 10 or 12 casting calls a day and you're just stuffed in a van and you don't eat the whole day you're not fed if you book a job you could be on set for 11 to 12 hours and they're just giving you water how long did you do that for I was there for, I think, two weeks until my dad was like, this is really unhealthy. I'm paying out your contract and I'm taking you home. Hmm. So so I'm curious about the little girl who was watching America's Top Model thinking <laughs> one day I could live that glamorous lifestyle. <laughs> Fast forward to time in the van in a little apartment with some um, older guys that are around there. And all of a sudden this image is far from it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you had said, you know, you went down this road because you truly loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing in those two weeks, it, w- it was a bit of a nightmare. Or, or were or were you still wanting to continue in spite of that difficult time? I mean, I, I think it depends. Like, I hear people's stories when they got contracts in my agency, and it was amazing. I think Korea just wasn't the time and place for me, the size I was and the age I was. But I still loved it, and... It took me a while to love it again after that experience because it wasn't modeling that I didn't like after that. It was myself. Like I came home hating myself Mm -hmm. and I didn't blame anybody. I didn't blame the modeling industry or the agency. I just felt so much hatred for myself and the way I looked and I I just didn't feel good enough. I was like, when is someone going to like me for me? Like, why do I always have to change? Like, what's wrong with me that I'm not accepted the way I was? So it wasn't anything about modeling. It was just I didn't like myself after that. Hmm. I got you. How did that play out when you returned home in your relationships or in in just your day-to-day life? Did you... um did you sink into a depression? Did you? Uh, did it affect you at school? Um, how did that translate to, to going back home? Um, I was talking to my sister about it, and I actually decided to join my first pageant because after that experience, I was like, I can't be the only one feeling this way. There has to be other girls that are struggling with this issue. So I joined Miss Teen Canada because I understood that pageants, it's kind of like modeling, but you have a platform and you have a voice, and they want you to use your job as a title and make a change with something that you feel passionate about so i actually used that really negative situation to motivate me and join my first pageant and you join all our other previous guests that have come on and used the the, one of the more negative situations in their life to become one of their most positive and Mm -hmm. so that's another reason you're here sharing this obstacle course journey And, and that's that takes a lot of courage and vulnerability and so that's awesome yeah, I, I just wonder what what might have happened if you didn't yeah. find pageantry and, and like where where might it have gone or, or if that kind of negativity spiraled and, and what might have happened if, if that had to taken taken course. Yeah. Um so how was your experience with getting into pageantry and, and just describe what that is like for for people. There's there's gonna be people who are listening who are like pageantry that's like it's all just surface. It's 
um, it, it affects people negatively. It's just it's um, celebrating just superficiality and, and beauty. And, and so what would what would you say to them and how would you um, what, what's the realness like what's the real experience like? So my first pageant was just super innocent because it was a teen pageant. It was mostly just about meeting all the girls and just having a really healthy, good experience. Nobody told me I was too big. It was just a really great experience. I bon- <laughs> I messed up my interview so bad because I was so nervous. All the young girls that I met while I was there, they were so smart. They were going to school. They were like they had the biggest dreams and just all these passions and and they were just so inspiring and I realized that I think it's how you look at it people who have never competed in a pageant they say oh it's just girls showing off it's for their ego they just want to be known as the prettiest girl but when you compete and you meet all the girls in person you understand that it's so much deeper than that and that these girls really have pure hearts and pure intentions and what they want to do if they win with the title that you you'll never look at it the same yeah, just even the idea of, of your own example of going into it to help restore confidence mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than like the the stigma might be, you know, it it ruins people's confidence mm-hmm. um, or it, it's it's creates a negative mindset for young girls who won't think they're pretty enough. It's like you're, you're kind of turning the, that around on on the, the whole idea of it. Absolutely. So you, you talked in your bio about um, struggling with um, cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. When when did that happen in this story? It happened when I joined my first pageant. Okay, so right yeah. around this time. Then. I think yeah. because being from a small town, I was the only one doing that. I was also really the only girl in my school that was modeling and pursuing stuff in that area. So I I was always bullied for it because nobody else was doing that. So... I was bullied basically my whole life. Um, and then when social media started to get popular, people would make fake accounts and just send me hate mail. And they would make accounts like called I Hate Sarah Winter and post photos about me. And you just have to look at it like it's nothing you're doing wrong. Those people are ill. Those people have something wrong with them that they feel the need to bully someone else to make themselves feel better. And I think it's important with social media being so powerful now that we understand that we need to use it in a positive way and be real on social media. So girls don't look at these accounts and feel like they need to be looking like that in order to feel enough. Because I feel like social media puts such an unrealistic standard of what you have to look like in order to be happy. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, So one question I have is, um, on your social media, I'm sure you do post pictures of you looking perfect. Mm-hmm. So someone might say, well, then why would you post those pictures, Sarah, mm-hmm. if that's not good for girls to aspire to? What would your answer be? I think it's about moderation and balance. I just posted one and I kind of opened up a little bit about how Instagram's a highlight reel. So right. you're choosing all your best moments of your life. I'm not posting the days where I wake up and I'm feeling anxiety and I can't get out of bed because I'm feeling depressed and really nervous. Because you're not going to post that. But I feel it's important that you open up about it and you realize that I'm just posting the good parts of my life. I'm not posting every single day and every single minute and times where I'm crying to my dad because I lost another golf tournament or times where I was struggling with my weight or struggling with self-confidence. But it happens and it happens to everyone because 
like I said, it is just a highlight reel. You are just posting the good days. And I fully, fully hear you. And I think we all fall into that camp. Imagine how powerful it would be if you did post one of those pictures mm-hmm. and just said, okay, guys, this is a let's keep it real picture. I don't always look like this. Life's not always perfect. Mm-hmm. Here's me today. It's a bad day. Here's what I look like. I think perhaps that could be a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, so who knows? Sure. Maybe maybe that could happen one day. <laughs> Do you think the world would be better off without social media? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it's never going to happen. So yeah. yeah, there's too much money being made. Um, it, I want to talk a little bit about judgment. Mm-hmm. And when you're walking on stage in a competition Mm -hmm. obviously you're being judged like there's literally people sitting there judging you and that's their job that's their role and how does that translate to everyday society and and now being a golfer people are expecting you to hit certain shots and and make a good put post a good score and i i just wonder if since you were a teenager you've been having to put on this appearance um and that's been your role as a model, as a as a pageant contestant. Does it feel like now everywhere you go, you're being judged or you have to look or act a certain way? Um, I don't necessarily think I have to act or look a certain way, but I definitely feel like I'm being judged. But that's just society now. I feel like if you're putting yourself in that position, I'm choosing to be in that position. Nobody's holding a gun to my head saying you have to do this this is my choice so i know what comes with these platforms and i know what comes with being in a beauty pageant or being a golfer and i'm choosing that so i'm never going to feel like sorry for myself because it's what i've chosen and i love it but yeah definitely sometimes you feel pressure like you have to live up to what people expect but then again i feel like i'm in such a good place that when people meet me, they're always saying, oh, you're not what I expected at all. And that's something that that's honestly the best compliment I can get because I feel like partly why I wanted to compete again is that I bring something a little more genuine and authentic to beauty pageants. I'm not your typical beauty queen. Like I'm a golfer. I'm an athlete. And I feel like I want to be what people don't expect. That's part of my platform. Yeah, and you know what? That's exactly what caused Andrew and I to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Is um, I think I saw saw your story online somewhere, and when I started reading and realizing, oh, here's somebody who's willing to show the cracks, mm-hmm. so the imperfections, and here's somebody who's willing to be vulnerable and share the other reasons why she's she's competing for for Miss Universe Canada, and so that I think that's fantastic. Um, and I think you're right. You know, when we, when you think of a beauty pageant, you don't often think of a professional athlete. I mean, I know you're aspiring to make the LPGA one day yes. and you're on track, it sounds <laughs> like. So so I wish you success with that. And I also know you you, you went you went back to school and, and got honors with that. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you talk to us about your education a little bit? I, I know you did go to, was it York College? Yeah, York University. Yeah, York University, yeah. Maybe tell us what you learned in that and, and what you hope to do with that, maybe. Yeah, I was pursuing my Bachelor of Science science I loved school I love science but I was never felt like I was pursuing something that I really really loved I felt like I was going to post-secondary education because I had to and my dad's so supportive we started to kind of talk about golf because I was always really good at golf but I didn't pursue it at a young age because I didn't think it was the cool thing to do or I didn't have those young role models to look up to that were really relatable in golf so I was like well nobody no other girls are doing this if I was at the golf course I was the only girl 
always my age like nobody else i could relate to so that's why i went to school but as i grew up i matured and i realized that it's something that i'm really passionate about and why wouldn't i try if i have the opportunity so i can always go back to school school will always be there i was hoping to get going to pharmaceutical studies um something in that area but once i started pursuing golf it was just so fulfilling in a way that nothing else could compare to and i really wanted to help other people find that because i feel like that's the main point of living is finding something that you're passionate about and doing it well i think we should give a shout out to norm jackson yes right? He's, uh, <laughs> he is known by everybody on the island and uh i know i know he's probably been uh been one of your role models in, mm-hmm. in helping you in this as well so so there you go norm yeah There's, golf pro at couch and country club yeah exactly yeah andrew's a big golfer i'm not I, yeah <laughs> i i love golf but um yeah it is one of the most frustrating things yes. you can do with your time um yeah the whole idea of like for four hours going around chasing that little white ball that doesn't ever go in the direction that no. you want it to is, <laughs> and then pursuing that as a career it's um yeah takes a lot of perseverance i'm curious what you learned what skills that you learned while modeling and and being in pageants apply to career and professional golf mental yeah i feel like everything in life is the mental aspect but golf especially is so much about your mental game and what you're thinking when you're playing what you're thinking about yourself, about each shot, a routine, consistency. And I feel like that ties into everything in life. When I was modeling and doing pageants at the beginning, my mental game was horrible. I was thinking negative and I didn't have confidence. But golf truly has molded me into a woman with confidence and positive thoughts and just being able to go out on the course and doing what I want to do instead of doing what I feel like people want me to do it gave me so much independence and I want to bring all of those aspects to Miss Universe Canada because I feel like those are attributes that you should have being a role model absolutely so the question I have is when your mental game is strong Mm -hmm. um, what are you saying to yourself when your mental game is poor what are you saying to yourself I feel like when it's strong I'm not saying much um when it when I'm playing bad I'm saying too much I'm thinking thinking way too much and I'm I'm an overthinker so it's something that I really have to work on but if I'm on the golf course and I'm not playing good I'm like oh you're so bad (laughs) like why did you hit that shot and then you get really worked up and then it just goes into the next shot and it just spirals downhill I mean anyone who plays golf knows that if you think about each shot you'll never be good has to be one shot at a time which i think is important to look at with life as well yeah you can't look at your past and and wish you changed you know you just have to go one step at a time and have you had a professional that has helped you with your mental game or do you have a strategy yourself that you use like meditation or something like that yeah norm jackson has helped me a lot but i also just read there's lots of mental books out there about the mental aspect of golf and you can learn a lot from reading so that's what i've done and you want to share or yeah uh one of the quotes that i really like is it's all about the next shot so it's it's not about how good your shots are but how good your misses are Hmm. yeah just making it a lot more consistent and having a routine so every time you go up to that ball you do the same thing and then you know that if you've done your routine there's no way that the shot can't be good Mm -hmm. the inner game of golf have you read that no worth checking out it's all about the mental aspect of the game it there was the first book was the inner game of tennis 
and then they uh, use the same kind of theories and applied it to golf and it's brilliant um i find that golf especially when you're in a zone can be kind of meditative itself it it is so much about that self-talk about getting yourself in the the right position mentally and and when you're in flow it's like there there is no chatter going on everything's smooth it's just you've got that rhythm and, and it, it's a, a quiet mind is required to to play at a high level mm-hmm. um so it's yeah it's an interesting thing and you're you're so in touch with with what's going on around you you're so present when you're when you're playing good golf um that that it uh, i think meditation helps and and it's also um reflective of meditation when you're when you're really in the zone um and when you're not it's the complete opposite of meditation <laughs> yeah and that's life as well <laughs> yeah you're just throwing golf clubs and, <laughs> yeah and your ball's going in the lake <laughs> yeah for sure are you are you more of like a where's your strength in your golf game is it short game or is it off the tee it's definitely my distance i think being so tall it allows me to be able to hit the ball pretty far um but I mean, it changes. Some days my putting is on fire and my tee shots are mediocre. So I feel like that's just golf. It's constantly changing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> if it was if it was consistent, it wouldn't be any fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, where's your strength come from in general? I, I Hearing your story and hearing about the cyberbullying and you just kind of kept on it. You just blocked that out, said that those people are, they have illnesses, they're, they're dealing with their own stuff. That's at least that's your perspective of it now. It might not have been then. Mm-hmm. But where, where does your strength come from? And, and what really made the difference between five years ago in the competition when your self-esteem was really low and, and now when you're in a really healthy place? What, what, how did that transition take place? Well, and before you, before you answer that, um, I, I think also at that time, five years ago, you, you chose to walk away from the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe um, you know, while answering that, maybe just shed light on that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what made you walk away? I think my strength comes from who I surround myself with. I'm such a firm believer of you are who you surround yourself with. And I have such a good support system who has kept me so grounded and just really humble through all my experiences. And I think that's really, really, really important. My dad, especially my two older sisters, the friends that I have, they're just so supportive and they have always believed in me when I haven't. And I always have somebody to talk to. And I feel like that's really important too when you are getting cyber bullied or when you're going through eating disorders. A lot of these people go through those issues and they don't have anyone to talk to Mm -hmm. and it wears them down. But I've always been really open to my family at least. And I've always felt like I had someone to talk to through all these issues and they've always helped me come out stronger and just look at it as a learning experience. And I know it's hard to think at the moment, but everything happens for a reason. And I was given those struggles because I can handle them and I've chose to make something positive out of positive out of that so I think my strength definitely comes from my family and who I'm surrounded by um for how my thinking was when I was competing five years ago and why I stopped I think after I didn't win in 2014 I had already represented Canada twice and I didn't win so obviously you're looking at it like okay maybe this isn't meant to be I'm not finding any success something isn't right here. I don't know if it's about what I'm doing or I'm just not right for the industry, but something isn't right. And I genuinely wasn't happy back then. Now I feel like I'm I'm glowing from the inside because I'm pursuing something that I love. I'm passionate. I'm being authentic. I'm being genuine. I'm doing the pageant again because I want to, not because I'm being told to. And it makes such a difference. 
Well, and, and another thing is right now there's more going on in your life. Like mm-hmm. you are not just a pageant con- contestant, not just, but yeah. you know, at the time that that was your life. Now this is one thing of, of many. Mm-hmm. You're a golfer. I know you volunteer mm-hmm. as well. And there's a couple causes that are real, real close to your heart, which, which I'm sure you can speak to as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a notable change as well. Um, as, as much as disappointing as it will be, um, or as it could be if perhaps you didn't win, mm-hmm. um, there's so there's so much still going on in your life yeah which which i think is a notable change yeah i think that's really important to have something to fall back on and a lot of these girls it comes becomes their life and then if they don't win they're devastated and i was one of those girls it was my life for a year i moved away to toronto isolated myself had no social life to do miss universe canada but i was always being told that's what I should do it wasn't my choice so I think it's really important that I bring substance to the pageant and I have different things that make me really well-rounded so my golf or my volunteer or my education or just bringing different aspects is going to make me stand out for sure how do you reconcile the the fact that or the potential mental trap of if when you don't win the competition it's because you're not blank enough whether mm-hmm. it's pretty enough or or presented well enough or or holding yourself right or answering the questions how when when it's when you're literally just being judged on you and like every part of you how do you not fall into the trap of i if i don't win i'm not good enough that's mindset so my mindset like i kind of said earlier going into it this time i know 100% that i'm the best version of myself I've worked so hard to become this person and I'm proud of her. So I've prepared myself for the last three or four months just being mentally healthy, physically healthy, being healthy inside and out for me because I want to. So when I go on stage and when I get interviewed by the judges, if I don't win, I know 100% that I did everything I could. So I can walk away and accept it. I can know that it wasn't meant to be. Something else is out there for me. I think girls that maybe don't prepare themselves fully or take some time off, maybe slack, if they don't win, they'll have regrets because they think that they could have done more. But I know 100% that there's nothing more I could have done. So if I don't win, it just wasn't meant to be. If there was a young girl just sitting in this chair next to us listening to you and and she was 150 pounds Mm -hmm. and she just heard you talk about being judged for being 120 and, and things like that. What would you say to her? I would just give her a hug and I would tell her that she's enough the way she is. There's no right way to look. And it just comes from being happy with yourself the way you are. Finding people to surround yourself with that love you for who you are and stop feeling like you have to change to be enough. I think it's just so important to know that everybody is different and you cannot compare yourself to anyone. The only person that you can compare yourself to is who you were yesterday mm. so you just have to keep growing and and keep learning and you're enough the way you are like just remember that i think that's the main thing i would tell her and we keep saying young girls but let's be honest this message is for everyone mm-hmm. yeah right this message is for older women um this message for older men i mean we all struggle with yeah. how we we all struggle with how we appear on the outside mm-hmm. and uh it's a human struggle and so i think um, i think your story lies at the heart of of everybody's struggle in a way of just trying to project an outside appearance and be good enough and just learn to, like you said, you love yourself for who you are and, um, and you're okay 
you know, if you are judged for not being perfect mm-hmm. because you know how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a powerful story. And I'm, I'm really interested in how you went through that process. It Like, do you have any techniques that you use that you could recommend or resources or or um what what was the key for you was it a, a morning routine like what, yeah. what what did it take to really change that mindset i definitely started meditating so i meditate every morning and it takes 10 minutes and this just helps clear your head clear your thoughts being able to focus on the now which is really important because a lot of the times i think people get so caught up on the future or so caught up on what other people are seeing from what they're doing. And I was one of them. I was always so worried about what other people were thinking. And it's so important just to focus on the now. Focus on the moment. Live each day by each day. And don't worry about what happens tomorrow or in the future because you can't control it. So meditating has helped me so much. Doing yoga, just really working on being happy on the inside and having a really healthy mind. So for those people listening to you about meditation, how, how would you recommend getting started? Is that an app you use? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I use an app. It's called the Calm app. And you can try it for free for seven days and see if you notice a difference. It took me like a month to be able to <laughs> yeah. do it because I'm have i an overthinker and it's really hard for me to not think about anything. Yeah. But it's helped with my golf as well. So I, I love it. I've noticed a difference. I've been doing it for like three months now. Yeah, we've talked about there's other apps too, Headspace and, and yeah. Sam Harris is waking up. And it's really the golden age of, of learning to uh, being able to meditate fairly easily. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, meditation is not easy, no. but but, <laughs> but having an app that sort of takes you through in 10 minutes, it sounds like, oh, only 10 minutes. It's a long time though, oh, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's hard not to even be at the six minute mark, be like, oh, how much time is left? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But when you push through it, it always, you find that calm that, that, that you subscribe to. Yeah. And, and meditation is, is all of a sudden it's trendy and it's, it's so popular. Yeah. You hear people talking about it as like their secret to success and, and, and it's no secret anymore. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's everywhere because it's so needed in our day yeah. and age where we're just being pounded with stimulation and, and chatter and our phones are beeping and our, our computers are giving us notifications and there's media everywhere there's advertisements everywhere there's just so many signals coming at us from every time all the time and it's so easy to get overstimulated and and meditation is the complete antithesis of that it's like the the most present quiet um simple thing that you could ever possibly do and that's why it's so hard yeah yeah for sure we're just not used to it no there's no question in there that was just a statement (laughs) yeah and you're being wise Yeah, for sure. Um, another another one of your obstacles that um, you you talk about, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna put your your page in in the show notes. Everyone, you should go there. Sarah's asked lots of questions, and she's been very open um, on, on on her website as well. Um, and you describe a skin condition mm-hmm. that you struggle with. Um, maybe you can pronounce it. Uh, is it is it vitiligo? Yeah, something? vitiligo. Yeah, I got it right. I, I did cheat. I listened to the dictionary thing this morning. He was practicing vitiligo. Um, let's, um, which is a huge obstacle for someone who's competing yeah. in a beauty pageant yeah. to have a skin condition. And so, uh, why don't you talk to us about what that's all about and how you manage it? Yeah. So um, when I was in Egypt representing Canada, I noticed a white spot under my arm. And my directors thought it was from the water there or just being, I don't know. She's like, it'll go away. Maybe it's a birthmark. I was like, it's not a birthmark. I wasn't born with this, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) 
and it was just one spot and then it gradually started to spread i mean not drastic like i don't want people to listen this and think oh like you can't even notice it because if you google vitiligo it is crazy some of these severe cases like i don't want anyone to feel sorry for me because the cases can be so much worse and i don't have it bad but i still have it and it's good to shed light on this skin disease because there actually is no cure for it Mm. and it affects a lot of people and a lot of people don't know what it is like did you guys know what it was before yeah i I had seen i had seen that with 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 people in my life but i didn't know that it was an actual condition so yeah and it doesn't affect your health so i automatically have to feel fortunate that i don't have something that affects my health i'm still healthy Mm -hmm. but it affects your mental health Mm -hmm. right because there is so much pressure of how you look in today's society and especially in the industry that i'm in there's so much pressure to feel like you have to look perfect but you know what at the end of the day my dad helped me just realize that okay like it's not the end of the world there are ways that you can manage it there are ways that you can control it And you know what? Hey, it's another platform. It's another thing that you can speak on and shed light for the people who are suffering way worse than you are. And maybe you can help find a cure. You can help raise money or raise awareness because a lot of people don't know about it. Once again, maybe a picture on Instagram with showing a spot (laughs) could help shed light on that. Um, it, It occurred to me through this conversation that social media for everybody is almost like a daily beauty pageant. Mm hmm. Right, because it's 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 posting these pictures like you said a highlight reel. That's a perfect way to say it. Even I've fallen into this, and I'm not beautiful at all. But just, <laughs> but just on the inside, just. on the inside, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. But just but, but posting these things. I climbed this mountain, or I've done this, and it's just we we post these things, and it's it's almost like this. Uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, Pima Shrodran, talks about um, us hustling for our worthiness. Mm-hmm. It's just like we're we get in this track where we're hustling for people to be like, yeah, yeah, you are okay, mm-hmm. you are good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in fact, I'm gonna like that. It's a vote, right? I mean, social media often is is like it's a vote. The world is watching and they're voting on you. And if you only got seven likes, well, maybe I don't look good in that picture. Totally. Maybe that wasn't as cool to me to, to to get that hole in one or run to the top of the mountain or or ace that exam. But it's it's obviously we know the real. We we know there's a lot more going on, and so. It's just that once again, there's no question there. It's just me meditating, kind of like Andrew, just sort of, you know, meditating on this whole idea of of trying to project this outside image and and get votes on it and and not allow that to to make us who we not allow us to base our identity on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna take this in a bit of a different angle, and yeah. we don't normally go politics on the podcast, but <laughs> oh, um, <gosh>. there's <laughs> we, so, we warned you a little bit, <laughs> so. The president of the United States, mm-hmm. who we don't talk about and, and we don't like to use much judgment on it, but he's a, one of the biggest pieces of shit that's ever existed. Um, Let it be known. <laughs> and and he was the owner of Miss Universe. Yes. Of, of the of the whole the whole organization. Maybe not Miss Universe Canada. I'm not sure if yeah. how that translates. But and I don't even know if you <laughs> you want to comment on this at all. <laughs> but he when he owned it. He was quoted as saying stuff like he doesn't want there to be doctors up there. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was quoted as uh, saying that he wanted to make... As soon as he got in, on there, he made the bathing suit smaller and the heels higher. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you... What is your take or what are your thoughts on kind of having that as a leader of the the organization and how that plays into people's thought process yeah i think definitely 
when he owned it it was a complete different pageant than what it is now so img owns it now and they've owned it for i believe since 2015 okay um and i'm so happy that they own it now because they've really turned it into a show where it's not just about the bikini or what you look like these girls that win are so intelligent and the things that they're doing with their platform is honestly amazing things that you only hope to be able to do one day and the show itself is so much different i wish that we could watch one of the shows when trump owned it and then watch when img because it's actually like night and day Mm. um it doesn't even seem like the same competition so yeah i'm definitely happy that he doesn't own it anymore because you feel like you are offering so much more than the way you looked and there was no secret when he owned it all the girls looked the same they were tall and skinny and they were beautiful and i'm sure they had asper like they had dreams to do something with the title but it was more so about what they looked like so i am definitely happy that he doesn't own it and i'm very very fortunate that i'm competing in a time where img has taken it over yeah it sounds like the focus has moved more to you know the outside will always be there it's just the nature of the competition but also more the inside like Mm -hmm. you said intellectual pursuits Mm -hmm. athletic pursuits um your values um and 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 that's great because you know i've seen the movie little miss sunshine which i'm sure you've seen that 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 portrays it in a certain way there's that famous show i think it's still on is it uh uh, toddlers and tiaras yeah. is that what it is which i've never watched it obviously is a terrible example <laughs> right that's probably and, and and i think folks we can we can probably say like this isn't this is not your been your experience it's a no. it's an extreme for yes. sure this is this is more about the parents at that point yeah. than these toddlers totally um and and i think that's also been what's cool hearing about how supportive your, your dad has been through all this he, he has he was definitely not one of those parents and uh, and i think that's that's important to to say well and the reality of our society and just how we act as humans, it, it's right down to human nature. Is we do uh, glamorize beauty and we celebrate beauty. And we, we always have, going back to ancient Greece, there was competitions about like who, who is the most beautiful young boy in each town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a, as a species, we've often been celebrating beauty through our art. Uh, that's People just look to, to people who they see as beautiful, whatever that idea of beauty is in that day and age and and they they're drawn to it that's just our reality so we can we can think that pageantry is is misdirected or is 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 wrong in some way that that people can think that but it's just it's how we operate and and even talking to you and the idea of how it's a platform to make it positive change and and that's the reason you do it um that that has changed my my feeling about it and it I am so much more uh, behind it now, kind mm-hmm. of hearing hearing your take and, and knowing your, your motivation behind doing it. Thank yeah. you. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, one thing I want to highlight too is just, um, I think one of the things that have made you a very mature 25-year-old, I mean, some of the things you're saying... 24 still. 24, <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't push you. <laughs> okay, yeah. 24 still, even more impressive. So very mature 24-year-old is is all these things in your life that you talked about, like like having a mother who struggled with substance abuse. You hold you don't hold her responsible. You say mm-hmm. that was her that was her issue, her illness. Um, I didn't take that personally. I didn't say it was my fault. I think it could be per- perhaps easy for a child in that case to be like, maybe I caused this. You didn't do that. Um, and then and then as, as you got got older, the industry that you're a part of in Korea was very you know took a dark turn. 
I don't feel that you have a lot of anger and mil- and, and um, regret towards that because you're like, that's the way they were. Uh, so, so you're able to move forward, I think, in strength, saying that cyberbullying, those people were ill. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't you didn't latch on to that. You didn't allow it to make make you who you are. And and uh, perhaps you did at the time, but 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 now you've been able to move past that. And so yeah. you're in the perfect place now to run again. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, we're rooting for you. Thank I mean, you. we're 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 hoping. And and like you said, you know, you have you have a good feeling that you can win. And I think I think the you know the world needs. To, I think this hopefully the story will help. Yeah. With that because totally. um, you didn't allow that to define you. You know, and you don't, you don't, I don't feel like you have this anger towards all these things that have happened in your life. You're just like, that was them. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I I control what I control. And I think that's one of my big takeaways from this episode is, is, is how to get to that healthy place. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you recommend for someone? You can either be speaking to yourself six years ago, say, or, or maybe even as a 15 year old. Or you can speak to someone who might be in a similar position. What what advice would you give them? What- I think if you're going through anything, you have to look at it like it's it's so much easier to feel sorry for yourself and it's so much easier to give up. So like if you fail at something, the easier thing to do would be to give up and think that, okay, I'm not good enough. That's the easier route. But it's harder to try again. It's harder to keep going and to find that energy to believe in yourself when you're constantly not winning or constantly failing and that goes with anything in life i think you learn so much more from failure than you do success and that's what i looked at all these obstacles okay i'm not winning but what am i learning and i learned something from korea i learned something from being bullied from my mom from winning or losing every pageant i've ever competed in i've learned and it's turned me into this strong genuine just pure woman that i'm so excited to represent this time so i think that can go with absolutely anything if you're in life and you feel like you're struggling with a job or a relationship or just finding happiness just know that everything's a choice and think about what you can learn from this and then move on move on move up choose what you want to do and do it you just you just have to believe in yourself so i think that's the main thing is just getting a support system believing in yourself i go to elementary schools and i teach the importance of goal setting to the kids because Mm. it's just so important to have somebody tell you that you can do it or you are enough or i support you i believe in you um so yeah i would just tell them that what can you learn from it and then move on Excellent. Thanks. Amazing. Yeah. So importance of goal setting. What What are some of your goals right now? Obviously, you've got one that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yes. What else? Uh, so to win Miss Universe Canada. And then next August, my goal is to do Q school. So qualifying school to hopefully get my LPGA tour card. And I want to keep volunteering. Um, I love kids. That sounds so cliche, but I <laughs> love working with kids just how genuine and innocent and pure their intentions are just having a conversation with a kid is just honestly one of my favorite things to see how they view life still and i remember being like that before i went through everything you view life differently and i i want them to keep that innocence for as long as they can because honestly the world is a cruel place and some kids have to grow up a lot faster than others because of the situations that they're put in it's it's really sad like going to these elementary schools 
and seeing some of the environments that these kids come from and it's not their choice they can't do anything about it so i think it's really important that they always have someone who's telling them that they can do whatever they want and maybe they're going through something now but when you grow up you honestly can achieve anything that you set your mind to and i think you just have to tell them that you believe in them Mm. Mm -hmm. it's amazing so one thing i think would be would be just interesting is um let's let's go let's fast forward to august 17th yes so august 17th is the day of the competition sarah's gonna win <laughs> miss universe canada we know what's gonna happen take us through what that day is going to look like what what time is that day gonna start take us through kind of what, what the experience is gonna be like and then perhaps you can end by saying here's what you're gonna here's what you're gonna say when you're when your time comes to speak yeah, so it usually starts very early because there's 60 girls that have to get their hair and makeup done, yeah. um, which <laughs> takes a lot of time. Yeah. So usually you go to the venue, I think at like 7 or 8 in the morning, and you rehearse all morning, and then you just sporadically get chosen for hair and makeup, and it just goes on until 7 p.m., and that's showtime. So it's literally wow. like a 12-hour process. Wow, wow. <laughs> Are you going to get like a nap in or anything like that? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But I think your adrenaline will be yeah, that's right. so high. You won't need a nap. You'll just be so excited. Do you know any of these girls? I know a couple of them. Um, and you obviously know of them because it's human nature to go on the website and look at them and not compare yourself, but just learn about them in advance. Try your uh, best not to compare yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> so you're all together for that day. So what's it like in there? Is it... Like, is there any drama? Like, is it is there drama between some of the girls? Is there some? Are they all very? John, you can't use the word catfight. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was avoiding. I was avoiding using you know <laughs> those kind of words. But is it a toxic place? Is it? Um, a... Well, like the first time I competed, it was toxic for me because of my mindset. But that right. wasn't anyone else's problem. I was oh, okay. just doing that because I was sitting backstage, choosing to feel like I was the worst contestant in the room. But honestly, for the most part, all the girls are really nice. You obviously click with more, like you click with one more than the other, or you have your group of friends that you've become closest with. But I know like going into it, I don't choose to be mean to anyone. I'm not catty. I don't start drama. I don't gossip. I mean, I can't talk for everyone. Who knows what other women will choose to do with that experience. But I know I would never be mean to anyone because... Like everyone says, you want to be treated, like you want to treat people how you want to be treated. So, mm-hmm. I want to go into a little bit about your athletic career mm-hmm. and your aspirations to go to Q school and to qualify for the LPGA Tour, which I'm sure you'll do that as well. <laughs> um, but how the, the, the impact of, of female athletes and, and how there's different pressures on them and there's more focus on their appearance than male athletes a lot of the time and and being someone who is seen as attractive Mm -hmm. um even googling your name in golf it's what it doesn't come up about your playing career it comes up about your appearance and there's an over sexualization of a lot of female athletes in our society Mm -hmm. and does how what are your thoughts on that And, and does that affect you at all is there um, is there added pressure? Is there anything that happens from other com- competitors that that see you in a certain way or, or uh, treat you a certain way? Yeah, so one of the reasons why I'm not professional yet, and I could be, um, when I played on a mini tour in Arizona, you can just enter as a pro and then you can call yourself a professional athlete. 
but my mindset was always that I wanted to feel like I earned it and I don't feel like I've earned it yet I haven't won a tournament playing on the mini tour I just feel like being a professional athlete is such a respected job and a lot of these girls are using that platform if they can golf to be known for how they look while doing so so I wanted to always keep my platform very respectful and very classy and represent myself how I want to be seen so I can't control how these websites write about me but I can control what I post so yeah one of the reasons why I'm not pro is I wanted to feel like I earned it I don't want to take advantage of getting these opportunities because I have a lot of followers on Instagram that's not fair there's girls a lot of girls that I play against that are better than me so until I win or I feel like I've earned being a professional that's when I will be one so I'm not taking advantage of any of these opportunities I get due to my following on social media and I think that's really important to know because a lot of these girls use it to their advantage but they don't do it in a classy way that I just don't really respect I think you're gonna look back and you're gonna wish that you hadn't posted a picture of you golfing in a bikini because it just it just makes the sport look not as good as I would like it to be represented so yeah yeah, I, I, have you ever golfed in a bikini, Andrew? Uh, it's not comfortable. <laughs> no. Oh, I've only done the bottom half, and yeah, yeah. It just I played terribly. It was, it was chafing. It was it was bad. It was horrible. Um, yeah. I, I, I that's that was not an easy question. I just want to um, say that you totally aced that. Well done. Thank you. Um, it was a hole in one. I wasn't even sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I wasn't even sure whether we we should go there, but you, you really handled that well. So Thank you. yeah, as as we begin to wrap up, I think you've got a golf game to, to get to in, yes. in not too long up in, up in Duncan. Um, where, where do you see your future going? Where, where, we, we talked with Linda Hunter a few episodes ago about like what is the best possible yeah. outcome. Um, and, and where do you see the best possible outcome for you in, in the future, Sarah? Yeah, I think I'm right now achieving a lot of things that I want to do I'm helping bring light to female golfers or female athletes so I want to keep doing that I want to break the stereotypes of pageantry that's why I'm competing again I want to show the diversity of women and just represent strong women so if I'm already doing all of that now I can't imagine what I'll do if I win like having that big of a platform being Miss Universe Canada if I'm able to do all that I'm doing now honestly the sky's the limit if I have that bigger of a platform so I'm really looking forward to hopefully winning and shedding light to all these different areas in my life that I'm passionate about and if I don't win I'll still pursue golf hopefully I make it on tour one day and if I don't make it on tour one day I feel like along the way I will inspire a couple young girls or young boys to go after what they want or pursue and honestly that's just as rewarding to me so Nonetheless, I think I think I'll figure it out. <laughs> First of all, Sarah, I want to say you're not just going to inspire young boys and girls. Yeah. You're going to inspire, you know, men, men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this your story um, connects with the, the the heart of of our humanity. Really, is learning to love yourself and learning to be okay with who you are. Yeah, for who you are and not it's what hard. others say. <laughs> it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And and it, we talk about the obstacle course never ends. Mm-hmm. And this never ends. Like every morning, you know, you get up and your meditation and you remind yourself of all these things that's easy to forget, or it mm-hmm. starts to erode, or you start to believe the things people say, or you start to get seduced by your own um, image. And, and so 
to remind yourself each day and stay grounded that, you know, no matter what happens or what, you know, if a blotch appears and someone sees it, it's okay mm -hmm. because deep down I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And and I think for me that that, that is, is, is one of the beautiful parts of your story. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, if, if people want to hear more about you or, or get in touch or say thank you, what, what might be the best way of doing that? Um, they can reach me on Instagram. So that is at Sarah M. Winter or my Facebook. It's also linked in my profile or Twitter. Or if you see me at the golf course, come say hi. Yeah. <laughs> Any way you can reach me, just I'm, I'm always out to talk. So cool. And uh, and we'll all be paying attention in, in a couple of weeks on the 17th of August. Yeah. And uh, and we wish you all the best. But I mean, if, if you bring the presence that you did just in here today, um, you're gonna you're gonna nail it. Thank you. And and we thank you so much for making time for this. We know your life's crazy. The reason why we want to book you now is because once you do win, you probably won't talk to us lowly podcasters <laughs> anymore. You'll be like, nah, I didn't get your message. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, anyways, we we do really appreciate you taking the time. And and when you win, uh, we will be the first one standing up and cheering. Thank right. you for Thanks, having Sarah. me. Yeah. Well, that's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate your time and attention. If we can make one request, please subscribe. How do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do. We also got social media, guys. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow us there. We also got a really fancy website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That is the one. It's where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies. And if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast, please let us know. Send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on. Mm -hmm, for sure. We're always looking for good people. Thanks for listening. Keep pushing through those obstacles.